Hello and welcome to Back of the Crid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Evans. Hello. And Tom King. Hello. And you join us this evening as we, well, whatever, whatever time it is for you, you join us as we record on Guy Fawkes Day. So <laughs> if you hear any explosions in the background, we're not in Fallujah, we're just at our desks. <laughs> A display has well, literally just started outside. So yes, that's got I can really hear well. it. I can actually hear <laughs> it. Actually. Mind, yeah. um, for those of you worldwide who listen to us who don't know what Guy Fawkes Day is, it is the celebration of the death of the man who tried to blow up Parliament years and years and years ago. Did anyone know what year that was? Mm, I mean, I didn't. I didn't know there'd be a test. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't either. I'm just winging it. I really am. <laughs> we we celebrate him failing to blow something up by blowing some things up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, it's not it's not his death, is it? That's that's too dark. It's the failed plot. The yeah. failed plot. The gunpowder plot, as they called it. Anyway, yeah. shall we talk about some Formula One? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much of it, but although to to, to loosely link that to Formula One, I wonder how of the dual. Is that? Is that? <laughs> yep. That's that sounds like wow. it's in your room. Tom. Welcome to suburbia. Wow. <laughs> nice. Okay. So it's going to be even punctuated by explosions, obviously. Um, to loosely link that to Formula One, I wonder if anyone could tell us, if anyone, any listener, could find out how many joules of energy are used um, in the explosions of fireworks in the UK on this night. That'd be really interesting to know, and compare that to the joules of energy used in a Formula One car. I think that'd be how really many F one cars worth of fireworks are released yeah. on bonfire night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, here we are. So um, let's start with a bit of news. Uh, Rod, blah, blah, Rob Smedley is leaving Williams. It was announced today. Actually, was that today? That one. It was. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the third major departure this year after. Dirk De Beer, great name, head of aerodynamics, and Ed Wood, the chief designer, and both left the team in May. Um, what is wrong at Williams, and what do Williams need to do to fix their problems, guys? It's a shame, isn't it? Um, I mean, I guess first of all, just it will be a shame to see him go. Like he's been around in F1 since 2001, I think. He started off at Jordan, um, mm. and obviously he's best known for being at Ferrari um, as Massa's race engineer. He's best known for following Felipe Massa wherever he goes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I remember him saying Felipe baby, something, yeah, yeah. something, something. That's what um, he'll always be known as. Yeah, he will be. <laughs> but yeah, sad. it'll be sad to see him go. He's always been like... Uh, he's kind of felt a bit like the um, like the guys that used to run Manor. Like, like uh, he would probably spend the morning in his shed tinkering with something and then he popped down to do his job in F1 and then he was back to his shed the next day. He was kind of that sort of bloke yeah I mean he still is that sort of he hasn't died yeah. Chris so it's <laughs> <laughs> just leaving Williams um, yeah it's, it's, it is a bit sad to see I, I particularly like his accent because he's got the same accent as me also good yeah and I find that very relatable <laughs> um, it, there was always something like sort of endearing about listening 
on a Formula One, like hearing the sound of a Formula One V8 blasting in the background on the radio, and then his little voice comes in over the top of it, just like the blasts <laughs> you're about like to hear. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, what is wrong at Will- Tom? Do- sorry, Tom. Do you have anything to say about uh, Rob? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm, it'll be sad to not see him around anymore, but. I guess he's come to the point where he just wants to take some time for his personal life if he's not if he's not going to bother finding another job after Williams, which is what he seems to have said. Yeah, at least so, so far. That's, that's fair enough to be perfectly mm. honest. Yeah. I mean, he's had a blooming good run, really, hasn't he? Like he came very very close to winning the championship with Massa in two thousand and eight. Um, I think he was there for Raikkonen's championship as well. Yeah, he was. Yeah, was he yeah. Raikkonen's engineer for that, or was he Massa's? No, it oh, was only an engineer once Massa came into the team. So yeah, I, uh, I joke saying he followed Massa everywhere, but it was actually only Massa's engineer at Ferrari and then at Williams once they moved together. Yeah, but um, you know what though? It does show how much they, how much, how strong a bond is between a, yeah. a, a can be between an engineer and and the driver. Like for instance, Hamilton, he's had the same engineer every championship that he's won. Oh really? Was he yeah. with him at McLaren as well then? Oh, I, the one. Sorry, since he joined Mercedes, he's had the same ah, okay. engineer. Yeah. Sometimes Still they try to switch time. the engineers around to try and sort of mix things up a bit and not get people get too carried away. Yeah, that was the year Rosberg one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they did switch engineers that year. Did they? Yeah, Rosberg yeah, had to have yeah. engineer because everybody um, tried to read something into it that one half of the garage was better than the other. But yeah. that's just that's just the way it is sometimes. So what we're saying is Pete Bonington is the man behind all of his championships. Basically. Yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> um, yeah. So back to Williams. What is going wrong at Williams? How it's what can we do? How can we fix it? Someone needs to go in there and knock some heads together. It feels like it's it's three big roles they've lost this year, isn't it? Head of aero, chief designer, yeah. and now I'm not sure exactly what Rob Smedley's. Um, role was he was chief performance engineer or something like that something like that yeah um i mean they're not they've said they're not instantly replacing him um they're kind of restructuring how the team's set up and not replacing that role um so i guess they are working on changes but Mm. do you think he's decided to go or do you think there's something happened in the team that sort of made him you have to wonder have that, to don't go. you? Um, yeah, I don't know what his contract was when he originally joined them, to be honest. Um, so I don't know where it left him. Like, as as in, is it that they've parted ways before the end of his contract, or is it just that it's come to its end and someone's decided not to renew it? Whether it's him or them, I'm not sure. I imagine that's what sort of thing we'll find out in two or three years when he releases a book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so to fix to fix their problems, they obviously, they've got a lot of hiring to do. <laughs> yeah. it's They've kind of stepped into that downward spiral where you stop having success, so you start losing people, and then the sort of people that are going to bring you success don't necessarily then want to come and work for a team that's not successful, and it kind of... spirals downwards from there doesn't it what you're saying Chris is success breeds success and failure breeds failure I mean Paddy Lowe is still there yeah that's very true doing his thing I mean 
And he was around at McLaren during the Hamilton Championship, wasn't yep. he? Yeah, and at Mercedes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've got they've got some decent pedigree at that team, haven't they? Absolutely. Um, they really, I think what what's really happened with the car, at least this season, is they've they've uh, something's happened on the aero, hasn't it? That's why they had to get rid of the aero and the chief designer, head of aero well, yeah, chief designer, because you know obviously there's been a huge cock up in the design of that car. Uh, at one point, they, they had like air separation on the rear wing, and it was like catapulting the cars into barriers. Was that Silverstone? Uh, oh yes, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Silverstone where they had the bottoming out, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. It was stalling, wasn't it? They were bottoming yeah. out, stalling, and then just having no rear grip and just spinning into oblivion. Um, Which is not so, ideal. Yeah, that's not. It's not what you want. It's not what you want from a race car, <laughs> no. particularly if you're driving it. <laughs> um. So yeah, they need to obviously they need to fix those kinds of issues and get to the bottom of why they happened in the first place, which I think to to an extent they have this season. Um, next season will be particularly interesting because they've got no. We're, we're getting all new aero apparently with a third less of the grip, a third less of the aero downforce. Yeah, that we've well, got I mean, this year. sounds like they're running with that already. So compared to a lot of <laughs> other teams, yeah. Um, um, I mean, they've got the right engine in the back. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think a real positive is that they are sticking George Russell in their car next year as well. Yeah, which you know this year they've the, the term pay driver, you know, it's it doesn't mean exactly what it sounds like, but they've certainly gone down that route this season. Mm. Whereas George Russell is very much a let's put the best available person in that seat yeah. kind of decision. Um, with yeah, a bit of luck, they'll stick Ocon in the other one to really cement that. Um, and I think that's that's a positive thing. Like, and you know, if you're there in an engineer or a mechanic or whatever working on that car, and you know you're making a car for two properly quick racing drivers, as opposed to the two people who had the biggest yeah. checks behind them, like it's going to give you that bit more motivation to give them the tools to do the job, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. you see it a lot. Like you see teams with with these pay drivers that actually don't do anything, and you have to wonder, you know, is it because these pay drivers are not able to give them the feedback that the team needs in order to develop the car properly? You know, yeah. Like if they're just rocking definitely. up with a bunch of cash and giving them that, that's all well and good. Like obviously, you need money to run the team, and that's fine. But it's only going to get you so far if 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 the person who's bought that drive is only there to drive the car and you know, have a laugh and not well, really develop it, then they're not going to get anywhere. Well, you've only got to look at how they've had to use Kubica this year to uh, evaluate new parts. They clearly don't have the faith in their race drivers to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So one solution is, which, as we've, as you've said, is is to get the right the right drivers in the cars in the first place, and hopefully, if they get Ocon as well, then that'll be the first step on the road to success i'd say yeah i mean i i certainly hope that that will be like the start of a a cascade as well like if they can get a you know some decent drivers have a above um expected result in the first few races like i really think they can sort of kick on and get back to where they should be from there yeah yeah, yeah they've hopefully. won 114 races they've won yeah, they're still up there in the all-time greats. Yeah. I mean, it helps they've been around for decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think they're still in the top three teams to have won the most championships. So it might be top four. No, um, I saw this. I saw that stat. The, uh, yeah, the top, the top three, because it's Ferrari, McLaren, and Williams. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. And then uh, these days, I wouldn't be surprised if Mercedes are not too far behind them because of the amount that they've racked up in the last what four years, five yeah, years. Yeah, they must be uh, working on it. Um, to to me, Mercedes already feel like a sort of heritage team. Because they had the cars, the, the old silver, the real silver arrows, years and years yeah. ago. Obviously, sh- I guess it's a shame in a way that they're only around for a couple of years before. Yeah, they left the yeah. sport. That is a shame. Um, um, it's only Lotus ahead. Um, Mercedes and Red Bull are both on four championships. Uh, Lotus seven, and then McLaren are next on eight. Right. Williams nine, Ferrari sixteen. Whoa, that's loads. So, considering the short amount of time Mercedes have been in the sport, um, they're certainly catching up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I like that. I like that a new manufacturer is diversifying that list a little bit. Yeah, especially like given see where they lists, came from. For sure. I don't like to see lists that are just dominated by like one thing. I think that shows a, an issue with you know, the setup of the sport. If just yeah. one team is, is absolutely dominant and you know, let's face it, Ferrari. I mean, I'm not going to get into. Everyone knows what. Everyone who listens to this knows my opinion on heritage payments and all that <laughs> nonsense. Um, less of that, the better. Right. Anyway, shall we move on to Haas and Rich Energy? Yeah, which we sort of skipped over a couple of weeks ago. I think because the uh, US Grand Prix was so good, we didn't have time to talk about it. Yes, <laughs> we well, we skipped over a few things over the last couple of races yeah. that have been quite important to talk about. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Haas have signed Rich Energy as a title sponsor. Um, they are likely to become Rich Energy Haas F1 and will be rebranded in the energy drinks black and gold colour scheme. Oh, that, re- that reminds black and gold. That reminds me of something, another colour scheme of another team. Yeah, a team we may or may not have already mentioned on this yeah. episode. Um, <laughs> the, it's the company that previously tried to buy Force India um, when they went into administration, but they had their bid rejected and there was a lot of... Um, hoo-ha around it as well Mm. and I think there might even be a court case due about that but we'll not get into that Um, they were also in talks with Williams but um, I don't imagine Williams had, it feels a lot like Rich Energy are kind of like buying into a team rather than sponsoring it, I don't know do you you guys know a bit more about this than me, I've not really read about this Yeah, it's um it's a weird, if anything Williams would have felt like a slightly better home for them because Rich Energy sort of very much like to talk up the fact that they are a British company making yeah. a British energy drink. So to mm. then sort of change the mind, because it apparently like it was right up until the US Grand Prix weekend, they were still in pretty serious talks with Williams. Um, <sighs> obviously at the same time as Haas, in the end they decided to go with Haas. Um, hilariously, they put a picture on Twitter of um, their boss uh, signing the contract in the Haas garage Um not thinking that in that photo you could actually see the contract and just about make out what was said on it. So they had to swiftly delete that tweet and find a oh different photo. That's a bit silly, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's, that's That's like taking a photo of your Monzo card when it comes through the, yes, <laughs> through yeah, the post, is. isn't it? <laughs> Have you seen they've got a little uh, sign on it that says, do not do not post a photo of your bank yes, card yeah. on the internet? They should put those on uh, on contracts, shouldn't they, for yeah. Rich Energy? Um for, for for rich sponsors, I should say. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. They're a bit of an enigma. Like I've 
I've tried to like look into <laughs> who they are a little bit. I know lots of other people have. I mean, I've not come across a single person who's ever actually seen a can of Rich Energy in the wild. Like, they <laughs> let just alone don't... drank one. <laughs> yeah, they just seen one. They just don't seem to exist. Um, they the the guy so the guy who runs the company, a guy called William Story, um, who. I've just I've seen him described as a successful businessman and entrepreneur lots of times, but I can't quite see exactly what that business was. Um, he had a company called William Story Management. He apparently did a lot of um, like managing of uh, sports people. He's he's very much a motorsport fan, um, and he yeah. seemed to manage a lot of motorsport people, but also, also people in other sports. Um, right now, uh, WilliamStory.com isn't working. Oh no, it is working again now. It's just started working. Um, but there's not much on the website, so that's not giving me much else to tell you. Um, yeah, it's just get, for a company that seemingly doesn't have a product available to buy, it seems strange that they now have the money to be the title sponsor of a Formula One team. Um, I mean, Hass have said like they've done all the due diligence and they've got no concerns about it, which, you know, I'm sure they have. Mm-hmm. But. It's definitely strange for... I mean, obviously, when Red Bull came into F1, everybody and their nan knew who Red Bull was. Like, Red yeah. Bull are everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I've, I've sort of tried to figure out how much money you need to be a title sponsor, and there's not really much in the way of yeah. um, recent uh, well, information the, the, on that. The rule goes, if you need to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah, the, the <laughs> most... The most relevant recent thing I could see is when DS first came on board as title sponsor for the Virgin Formula E team, they were spending, it was over 5 million euros a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the estimates were <clears throat> that that was at least a third of what you would need for the equivalent of a Formula One team. And even that seems at the lower end of estimations to me. Yeah. Um, I So I'm on William Story's website right now. And uh, the thing that strikes me the most about the website is the car. Am I on this? Am I talking about the same website? As yes, you've seen on? So you certainly are. What car is that, Chris? That's the John Player Special Lotus. Uh, it is indeed. Uh, so that, it might be an eighty-eight, maybe. I'm and, uh, sure. um, and what color was that? That was black. I think that was black and yellow, Chris. So it was, yeah. Ah, it's funny that, isn't it? Funny coincidence. Um, I actually read an interview with him earlier where he said that um, gold isn't actually a color. It's a state of mind. Did I say black and gold or black and yellow? You said black and yellow, but we'll, I did we'll say black and yellow. I think I got that um, that tune in my head. That bumblebee <laughs> black and tune. yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Yeah. Obviously, I meant black and gold. And yellow and gold are actually quite kind of similar, aren't they? Anyway, so. yeah. <laughs> um, we'll gloss over that. Sorry, <laughs> I horribly interrupted you there. But yeah, I read an interview where he said gold isn't actually a color, um, and they spent they had four hundred different. It's a combination of copper and yellow, and they had 400 different iterations of it until they decided on the exact gold they wanted. So hopefully they don't spend quite as long yeah. trying to paint the Haas or it won't I be w- ready for uh, Australia. I, w- <laughs> I wonder how similar the gold they've chosen is similar to the John Player special livery. I'm going to guess very similar. <laughs> um, maybe that's his inspiration. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, there's inspiration in this skullduggery, isn't there? So we'll see, we'll see which one... Which side of that call me land on? I think one really interesting part of this, though, is that Haas, like, obviously Haas, although they run various motorsport things, are primarily a business that makes kind of manufacturing tooling type stuff. 
and you know their cars are painted in a color scheme that's kind of derived from their like cnc tooling machines that which is probably why they're not the most exciting cars on the grid <laughs> um but it is interesting that they have now gone for a title sponsor that will completely change the look of their cars because they are primarily there to promote the Haas brand. Mm. And that's kind of going away now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure the Haas branding will be pr- still be pretty prominent on the car. It will. Yeah. It remains to be seen, doesn't it? Like, yeah, different teams do different things with the title sponsors and deem it a different like for example Shell's I think officially a title sponsor of Ferrari but it's not like the entire car's yellow yeah it's true there's just a lot of Shell <laughs> yeah. logos on it and on the overalls and stuff so yeah so we, we could either go down the KFC route of sponsoring a driver <laughs> and just literally having a basically short of turning the car into a chicken wing then it's the KFC car um or we could go the we could go the the other Ferrari route, which is put your put the brand on the car that isn't the actual brand that sponsors you, and you know, I, I mean, I'm not gonna get, I'm not going down into that. That's a rabbit hole, and I'm not gonna go down into that debate because, um, no. <laughs> I but, mean, um, I will say that the if you look at the Rich Energy branding, it is actually quite nice. Like their logos are kind of stag because they're based in Richmond, where there's lots of deer in the in the park and stuff and it's it's quite nice branding so hopefully we'll get a nice looking f1 car out of it um they also like to have little digs at red bull whenever they get a chance so i'm always on board with that <laughs> yeah it's like david and goliath yeah they've just got to beat him next year now <laughs> yeah good luck with that <clears throat> well depends on the honda i guess doesn't it yeah so has what have, have we got anything else to say about that i can't think of i mean I imagine not really. Do you, just... it, do you think it's going to make it? Oh, okay, okay. So, question: Do you think it's going to make much of a difference to Haas's standing inside of Formula One? The 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 partnership they have with Ferrari has obviously benefited them. That's a e- lot. Exactly. What I was about to say. I think all the money in the world wouldn't really give them much more than their partnership with Ferrari has already given them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm just interested to see. You know, may, maybe them doing all this is them sort of preparing for this giant launch of their product next year and it's kind of all suddenly they have this f1 car that's branded like the can of drink that suddenly appears in every shop in the world and it's going to be a massive thing like yeah that's the only reason i can think of that a product that doesn't apparently exist would be sponsoring a formula yeah. one yeah. well yeah i mean let yeah let's not be hasty it could it absolutely could exist I mean, you can buy a case of the stuff can't you on amazon you, you can yeah, you have you can, to buy a case of it. yeah you, you can, can buy can't a case buy one of can. it f- directly from them as well but like they, they there seems to be some hotels that have it um and they do sponsor so the other thing is that it's all kind of quite it's not very forthcoming exactly where all the money comes from like they they seem to be linked to the guys that own um west ham united but there's nothing official to say that because they they're oh, like mean- partners with the West Ham ladies team or something that's about as close as an official link as yeah. there is. Rich Energy West Ham United, Chris. That's that's what they're supposed to be called. They're the title sponsor. Oh, well, there we go. Then. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, they're, they're not. I don't, I'm kidding. Rich Energy West Ham United Honda Tagway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, we always seem to get a football reference in somehow, don't we? I don't know how we do that. Anyway. Um, 
Yeah, so that's probably it. I think that's all we've got to say, isn't it? On it's sort on of wait and see, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. It's wait and see. It's exciting. Like I, I'm interested. I'm the most interesting thing for me about the whole thing is just to see what the car looks like next season. I think. It's, yeah. Because I've, I've not been over the moon with the livery that they've had the last. Uh, I think that's times. putting it lightly. <laughs> grey on grey. Yeah, you're not that bothered about that livery, are you? No, the grey on grey is really not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, at least the, that'll change. The the main thing I think with the rich energy thing is just that, from what I can tell, either whether it's just him or if it's them as a company, they seem to have at least a decent passion for motorsport in general. With some of the other like drivers and motorcycle riders and stuff they've got involved in, seem to be quite big fans of the Isle of Man TT and stuff like that. So it's. You know, it's promising at least that they seem to be big into motorsport, and they're not just they're not just in it for business reasons. It seems like they yeah. might there might be a genuine interest in the sport. So, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool, cool. Right. So last week, Lewis Hamilton he won the championship. He won his fifth championship. You might not have noticed. You might not. If you listen to this podcast and this is your only <laughs> source of information about Formula One, it could have easily washed over you. <laughs> so we're going to do a little bit about that now. Um, Probably should. And what I'd like us all to do is each pick maybe a couple, one or two uh, standout points of the season so far, because let's, let's not forget we've got two races left. Um, yeah, but we know he's not winning either of those. So, well, we don't though, do we? Yeah, well, statistically, tells us. statistically, he won't. yeah, statistically, he won't. But let's hope he does. Um, he'll be desperate to as well. But anyway, that's the future we want to talk about. The past. <laughs> um, so, who wants to go first? Who has what? What in your mind is the most standout thing? that has won Hamilton the championship this season. If you could pick a moment from the season, what moment would it be? I, there, I don't know if there is a specific thing, though. Is, there, is it not just the the pure consistency that Vettel's not had, that he has had, maybe more well, than anything? There's, there's two moments that stand out for me, which actually kind of are to do with his consistency Vettel's inconsistency. And I think one is... Germany, where Vettel threw away a win and Hamilton put in a... You know, it's, it's easy to remember the, the moment of Vettel throwing away the lead there. Yep. But let's not forget that Hamilton started that race in, what, 14th, 15th, I think it was yeah. in the yeah. end? Yeah. And ended up winning, which was just ridiculously pro- good Proper drive. champion's drive, wasn't it, yeah. that one? Yeah. yeah. And I think if you yeah. look back, that was clearly the start of the real swing in this championship. And then I think yeah. the other one was obviously Monza, where everything was set up for Ferrari to get a home win and yeah. they just completely made a mess of it and again Hamilton was there to just pick up the pieces and win a race that he wasn't really supposed to win yeah that's I think that's fair um, t- Tom that's what I'm looking for sort of anything anything like that that, that springs to mind so it's, any, all, it's always going to of... be Germany for me but that's not it's not necessarily all Lewis like Chris is saying it's partly like some of the highlights <laughs> that stand out are actually more Vettel making mistakes. Like you can't knock winning four races back to back though. From what was it? it was Monza through to Japan. There's like four yeah. straight wins in there for him, yeah. which it just. But it does come back to the consistency. And a season like this is about attrition. Like you can't just 
unless you're Keke Rosberg, you can't just win a race and then expect a world title. You've got to, you've <laughs> got to be there all season, and I think that's what he's done better than anyone else this year. Yeah, so you're saying it's that consistency, it's that always being able to make the best out of a bad situation. Yeah, you know, always being there or thereabouts. I mean, yeah. he's never he's not finished lower other than the retirement in Austria. He's not finished lower than fifth. Yeah, and that was Canada. Yeah, so like. It, Obviously, what he had a his run of podiums. I'm I'm talking about four races. He had there was like another four races before that where he was at least on the podium, if not mm. winning them. So, yeah. um, whereas Vettel's had a little more, um, like well, he's had a lot of lower finishes. I think um, when you when you say like Lewis only finishing as low as fifth, other than a retirement, yeah. which. Mm. I think that's another another key point as well, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think my my absolute the moment when when I thought, okay, he's gonna do it this season was probably that pole lap in Singapore. Yes. Yeah, where he pulled <laughs> that it was out. A real nowhere. special one. Yeah, I think that that for me was a really really spe- and I think for him as well it was a really really special moment because I mean he he, he described that lap as magic um, it, it was yet another he shouldn't be there and yet he somehow managed to find himself there sort of thing yeah 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 and it, and that's again that that goes back to what you were saying about Tom about the about the consistency it's that ability to pull something out of nothing and yeah and just you know, make the best of a bad situation and get the car into a place where it can win a race. Yeah, you know. And the um, the thing is as well, like you to compare the two of them, they've both had a single retirement, so it's not like Sebastian's retired a lot more than Lewis. He no, just not finished no, as consistently true. high in the standings. Yeah, because Germany well, is look- Vettel's I'm- only out and out retirement. Yep, Germany was. Um, I'm just looking at his his record. So the the, the this season he had an eighth in China. Um, he has had a fifth in France. That was when he chopped across the front of uh, Bottas, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, this is going to lead me to my next question. This so fifth in France, and then he had a sixth in Japan. He was fourth in the USA. Um, and obviously second in Mexico. Actually, not a bad drive in Mexico, I thought. But, no, um, not at all. No, decent in Mexico. So what my question to you guys is, if you could pick it. So we've picked a moment where Hamilton, we've each picked a, roughly picked a moment where Hamilton may have won the championship or a standout moment. What are your standout moments where Vettel lost the championship this season? <laughs> Probably Germany. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Germany. Germany is a pretty big one. Obvious one. It's a pretty obvious one. I think the way that you saw the amount of emotion that you saw out of him when it happened, and then just the downturn in results since, I think shows how much of an impact it had on him. He's only won one race since then. Yeah, yeah Belgium. Yeah, and to be fair, after Belgium, the way he pretty commandingly won that. It sort of seemed like okay, maybe this is Ferrari back on the up again. But mm. yeah, as you say, he's not even really come close to a win since. Now Mexico is his best yeah. finish since Belgium, I think. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah, is, it it is. The, oh no, he's had a couple of podiums as well. Hasn't yeah, he? he got he got <laughs> third in Singapore and third in Russia. Yeah, yeah. 
two thirds think... in a row. But that was during that run where Hamilton was. That was in between, in the middle of the run where Hamilton won four races in a row. Yeah, so that's it, that's probably the. I mean, we say this a lot, don't we? Like it's that second half of the season where Ferrari struggled to to pull it together. And looking at those stats, you know, fourth in Italy, third in Singapore, third in Russia, sixth in Japan. All the while, Hamilton's hammering wins through. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's where he's lost the championship. That run of four races, isn't it? Yeah, and, a, and then a fourth in the USA as well. Yeah, see, it, it wouldn't maybe be as bad for Ferrari and Seb if you know Kimi was there taking more points off of Lewis, or um, you know, even even the Red Bulls sneaking in and having a look. Obviously, they've been around the podium and stuff, and and Max is winning Mexico, like. But even then, it's not been enough to to take the points away from from or take enough points away from Lewis anyway not when he's on the form yeah. that he was in just banging in wins left right and centre yeah yeah well I mean the win he's got one two three four five he's got five wins so far this season um, one in Australia one in Bahrain then one in Canada and then Great Britain which was a big win for him at that, that moment yeah. it looked like he might actually be in with a really really good shout yeah. it was really close at that point wasn't it um and then belgium and again belgium was like oh god it's slipping out it almost felt like the swing had gone the way of back of ferrari again despite hungary not being i definitely thought so hungary. hamilton won hungary but vessel was second and yeah like that that moment to me was that that's the tipping point isn't it mm. yeah it was it's... an absolute knife edge and the momentum was going to go one way or the other and for Vettel it went the other way, sadly. It's a shame we didn't teach on the knife edge for a, a little longer. Yeah, it would have been nice. I think You know what I think, though? I, I, I still think it's going to be really close in the end. I think Vettel's probably going to come through and get a couple of wins this last two races and Hamilton might have a bit of trouble and it's going to... Tie, I mean, it's, it's off and nothing now, isn't it? But I think mm. the end result is going to be a lot closer than it is now, I'd say. Yeah, I, I still think Ferrari could nick the constructors as well. Yeah, yeah I think well, it could. It's definitely it's possible. possible. Yeah, It's very possible. There's... I would figure this out the other day. I don't know how many points. So there's 43 points on the table on each, uh, each race. There's two races left, so that's yeah. 86 points left. If they get two one twos, that's eighty six points. And the gap does anyone know what the gap is? Fifty five. Fifty five yeah, points. Something. And what do you get for second and fourth? Uh, third and fourth. Third I think is fifteen. Fifteen. Fourth, fourth is twelve. Is, yeah. Twelve, yeah. So it's yeah. What what's the gap again? Fifty five. Fifty five points. Yeah. So how so Mercedes can get two three fours at, at each race yeah and they Ferrari need... need a one two and they still Mercedes would still win the championship by one point yeah um, is that right yeah Ferrari need to outscore them by 12 points or more to keep it alive this weekend this weekend so they need a retirement or something um, yeah I absolutely think I think would you would you I mean would you kind of do retirements on both sides would you yeah not had a retirement not had a single mechanical failure from the Ferrari no not one from Vett, well, from Vettel's Ferrari anyway <laughs> yeah the less we say about Raikkonen's Ferrari the better I guess. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I mean that's that's really all I wanted to wanted to do was just sort of try and pick out sort of big moments and and sort of have a little bit of yeah, a celebration of of, uh, of the it's win. It's weird because I I almost feel like this is going to go down in history as a championship that Vettel lost rather than one that Hamilton won. Um, I think a lot yeah. of the talk about this championship has been about Vettel's mistakes. Um, I, uh, and I think that maybe takes away a little bit from what Hamilton has achieved this season. Let's face it, he's won a championship in what was more often than not the second best car. But I've seen a lot of people saying that as well, which goes that there is definitely a lot of praise out there. And I think that the people aren't necessarily... Not everybody is you know, saying it is Vettel's loss here. But Yeah, I hope so. Um I've seen a lot of people saying Lewis has won with an inferior car to the opposition this year, which I'd have said for the most part he has. Um Ferrari probably didn't help themselves with some upgrades that they did I think it was around yeah, the, Monza or direction. Singer poor kind of yeah. time wasn't it they, they installed something and it just didn't help and they reverted back and and obviously we found some of the pace in Mexico but uh, yeah it's it's definitely been the better car other than maybe that sort of four five race stint um, yeah so yeah yeah. I mean the, don't, so don't get me wrong Vettel did lose this championship yeah well um, yeah obviously I think the, the the thing is like when you look at Vettel's record like this season like we said one two five five wins Hamilton's won nine races this season and you can't say that Vettel's lost it when Hamilton's winning races yeah. hand over fist like that. And I think the other thing is as well um if Vettel would have lost it then in a realistic scenario most of the time you'd expect his teammate to be one of the people that's right behind him well right behind him and taking the lead from him um which Although it's not been Kimmy's fault, it's not necessarily been the case, has it? Um, mainly because in those situations like Germany where <laughs> Vettel has gone out of the race, Kimmy's not in a position to actually fight for the win because he's been used on an alternate strategy that's compromised his own race to yeah. to aid a, a victory for Sebastian. And there's been a lot of that this season, which has meant that maybe if, if it wasn't for that, Kimmy would have actually been... A lot closer to Lewis as well. In fairness, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think he would have been. I think he's, as I've said it, I've said this before as well. He's been a bit. He's been used as a a pawn in in yeah. in, in in Vettel's game by the team a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I've, I've felt. Um, yeah, they. I mean, it was clear from basically the beginning of the championship that they put all their eggs in Vettel's basket that's a weird thing to say but you know what I mean like (laughs) I think unless Roy could have just turned up and won the first like two or three races they were never going to be focusing on him this year yeah no Um, which I think is why I mean I'm, I'm sure we'll cover this when we get to do a full season review but I think that's why Bottas has been such a disappointment this year in that he didn't have that disadvantage and yet he's still I mean, he's not even beaten Raikkonen, who has been yeah there to help Vettel win for the whole season. Yeah, but let's not, you know, let's be on, let's be fair to Raikkonen. Raikkonen's had a better season than in a long time. He's he done has, yeah, really well this season. 
Um, but right, we get we are literally getting into. I mean, this was supposed to be Lewis Hamilton, and we're on basically season review territory now. <laughs> so let's let's save some of this, shall we? Yes. <laughs> um, it's a long off season, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, so the next uh, thing to talk about, just a little interesting snippet. It's a World Endurance Championship race this weekend. It's the six hours of Shanghai, um, and the loudest car in the world is going to be there. It's the Chevrolet Corvette, and they've got it in a special red line livery instead of their traditional millennium yellow. Um, and it's part, all part of a push to sell special edition Chevys in China. Um, yeah, just kind of is kind it, of a cool thing. Is it literally a one-off then? Is it they just entering this one round? Yeah, they're just entering that car in that color. Right. Just for this one round. Kind of a shame that they've been not around for the whole season because, as yeah, you say, it is a monstrous car. They? They've not done any of the races this season. No, uh, was it? Wasn't it 2014 the last time they ran in World Endurance Championship? I mean, we definitely saw them in 2014. I don't know if they've been around since then, but no. Um, um, yeah, but I think I've ever that's... watched a WEC race in Shanghai. Actually, I don't know how well that track would suit those sort of cars. God, it's a tire muncher. I can tell you that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's rough on tires that track. So there's going to be. Heck of a lot of pit stops in that race. It's probably one worth watching. I mean, six hours these days, not an awful long time for a motor race. There was a time when six hours would have been an absolute, you know, car killer. But I feel like these six hours races aren't particularly taxing for the cars. You've got to think these cars are designed to do 24 hours around Le Mans. So yeah, six I hours mean, is a piece of cake. It's one stint. <laughs> unless you unless said. Jensen Button's car at Silverstone, in which case it'll yeah. break before you even get in it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Jensen's Jensen's car pretty much all season. Jensen's yeah, it's especially it's not... cursed at Silverstone. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's that's basically all the news we're going to cover this week. Not slow week. Off. It's been a bit of a slow week. So, as traditionally happens, we release this podcast on a Tuesday. We record on a Monday night, and. Usually, something massive happens on Tuesday. So, I want to, in advance, congratulate Esteban Ocon on getting his Williams drive. <laughs> because you just know that that's what's going to happen tonight. Oh, if that comes true, that's going to be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Mystic Stew has called it. Yeah, I might make a cover for the podcast just for... Just <laughs> Congratulations, <celebrate that>. Esteban. <laughs> yeah. Um, shall we do some inbox... Uh, first bit of inbox is from Kevin Cosgrave, who says uh, an idea for an F1 weekend, um, another super weekend idea. Instead of one of the practice sessions, have a 20 lap sprint race reverse order by championship standings. No driver points, just constructors points. Smaller teams will have a chance to pick up points, and Bottas might be allowed to win these mini races. <laughs> wow, that, that's hang on, that's that's a lot to take in. Let me read that one back. <laughs> um, so basically, reverse grid sprint race, but only for constructors points. Oh, yeah, that's um, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's very interesting. It gives um, guess the cars on the track, doesn't it? Guess cars yeah. on the track gives constructors a chance to pick up points they wouldn't ordinarily without messing with the drivers' championship too much. Because I think that's a lot of people's mm. criticism of like these sprint races ideas is that it kind of goes away from the tradition of. Grand Prix the F1 racing. world champion is yeah the person who wins the most Grand Prix yeah. so mm. it's quite an interesting idea that making it just a constructors thing yeah the, we are like the a hotbed of great ideas on this podcast aren't we <laughs> last week we had around. some really good ones um, Tom you had a really good idea last week that you didn't get to mention and that was about t- I 
hastily got us off the subject of tires because I'm <laughs> not a massive fan of, as we all know. Oh, of you mean tires. you mean my um, practice practice session compound? Yeah, a, a session yeah. that's dedicated for that. That's not necessarily the same as the qualifying or the race tire, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great. So idea it well, it lets them do like a little bit of setup, but they're not gathering actual tire data that for the race tires. So maybe it'd be yeah. a little bit harder than the the race tire, so that they can do a significant number of laps on it. Yeah, they could probably guess what the race tires might do because they know what that tire is like. So it's, it'd be like running the hard when the race tire is the medium and the soft or something. But you kind of you mm. stuck to that all the way through practice so that the cars are on track and they can do like aero setups and stuff and do what they need to do and and all that kind of stuff but it doesn't give them too much information about the tires that was was just a thought but we never got around to it so yeah i I like it i I think with it i think you'd need to have the same three compounds at tire of tires at every single race and then have a practice compound tire yeah so that way, at least the teams can learn about how their car behaves on a certain tire. I know, and I know all the tarmac is like different at each track, but still, like they're gonna, based on how the practice tire responds to the tarmac, they're gonna understand. They're gonna be able to figure out using their how the car's gonna respond on their regular race and qualifying tires. So honestly, I think that's a great idea that you had there. It's kind of a known baseline that then they can sort of then extrapolate from isn't it to work yeah exactly. that's it great use of the word baseline there chris as thank well. you very much excellent <laughs> um and back to Ke- sorry back to Kev. i kind of stampeded over kevin's question a little bit, didn't <laughs> I? So I, th- I, th- I also think that's a really good idea um the no driver points just smaller teams yeah i think actually i think we did cover it off didn't we pretty much yeah i i quite like that idea yeah that'd work um yeah, i do if you're, gonna, if you're going to get the cars racing more, then yeah, it's great, and that probably it encourages teamwork as well on the track, doesn't it? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, it would be interesting to see which drivers race as hard when it's only for the team as they do when it's for themselves <laughs> yeah, as well. Is that? Well, I, I'm sure I'm sure you could come up with some financial incentive for each, uh, each oh yeah, from within the team for them to win. There is that you stick know. a bonus in the gun tracks will be fine. Yeah. Um, no, not that money matters to these people. But, um, <laughs> no, not at all. It's an incentive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you could put these guys on the track, they're going to want to win. They're racing, yeah. man. They're, yeah, totally. You know, they're not they're not worried about um, thing. One thing I will say is that you'd need a good gap in between the sprint race and the the Grand Prix because <laughs> might need to put the cars back together. That, <laughs> yeah, if if you have a wreck, then you're gonna have to get the car put back together in order to win the race. So that might put drivers off really pushing. Yeah, because they don't want to have yeah. an accident and wreck their races for their own points in the in the Grand Prix. But you know, I think I think it's a cracking idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, next bit of inbox from Jim Hopper, who I'm pretty sure is a character in Red Dead Redemption Two. But there we go. Um, <laughs> who's going to win the battle for third in the drivers' championship? It's, um, it's Stranger Things. <laughs> That's oh yeah, it. I'm Stranger thinking Stranger Things. things. Yeah, yes. Jim Hopper. Is it actually Jim Hopper? It's not actually Jim Hopper from Stranger Maybe. Things. No, Stranger it's Things. That's what I'm Someone impersonating him. Oh no, hang on. The name. No, the, it is. The it name. is Jim Hopper. Yeah, but it's not the actual Jim Hopper. If that's what you mean. Guys, read the question. <laughs> <laughs> Someone impersonating Jim Hopper says. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jim Hopper says, who's going to win the battle for third in the Drivers' Championship? <laughs> Raikkonen. Finally. Um, Question answered. <laughs> it's currently Raikkonen's on 236 points, Bottas on 227. Really? Technically, Verstappen's still in the mix as well on 260. I think it really depends on how many wins Lewis gives to Baltery. Because if he gives him yeah. both of them, then it's... Um, if you know what, if he even look that Mercedes, no one's where knows where the performance has gone on that car at the moment, except for Mercedes. Yeah, um, I have my own theory that it's probably to do with their rear tires, that their rear wheels and their special rims. But um, uh, I don't. I I'd say Raikkonen. I'm with you. I Tom think so Ryan. as well. That, he's, that's he seems to really answer, have his mojo at the moment. Next question from uh, Paul Kelso, which is quite an interesting one, actually. Do you think Formula One will go down the fuel cell or hydrogen engine route in 2021 or later to counter Formula E? Um, mm. Which is an interesting one. It's like, yes, Formula E probably cannot do combustion engines forever, but do they want to just do the same thing as Formula E? Because then it's a bit of a waste of time having two championships. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good question, that. I think fuel cell is an interesting route, but I think the trouble with hydrogen fuel cells is they're very volatile. Yeah. Um, if you have a big shunt with one of those things going off and then it somehow splits and comes into contact with the air, then you've got quite a big explosion going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if hydrogen fuel cells would necessarily be the correct fuel for formula one or for motor racing in general um i think they probably will end up electric at some point i don't think it'll be in 2021 i think it'll be later no um i i I can see kind of in the distant future a some kind of merger between formula e and formula one i think i can see like a, a a path ahead of them where they maybe Formula E becomes the support series and replaces Formula 2 or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Potentially, yeah. You know, it's it's a very... I mean, you need to be basically a clairvoyant to call out these things, especially with the uncertainty about the 2021 rules just now. (laughs) They haven't even... They still haven't committed. It's gone all a bit quiet and I think they'll probably end up staying with the same engines they've got now as a result. Yeah, I think so too. But it has gone very quiet, and I think maybe there could be. I mean, the whole purpose was to get new manufacturers in, and none of the new manufacturer, none of the manufacturers are bothered. They're all going to Formula Yeah, e. no. So it, that tells you where the technology is going. And Tom and I, in, on the episode we did before last one, maybe was it? We were talking about you know electric cars and how it is. It is the future. It, the future yeah. is electric, whether we like it or not. Um, yeah, I mean, most big car manufacturers are at the moment also researching hydrogen fuel cells. Like, if they can crack it, then we probably will start to see more of those on the road. But mm. it definitely, at the moment, feels like, as you say, electric cars are where the future's going. Yeah. The, f- the thing is making it safe. If they can yeah. work out how to make hydrogen fuel cells safe, then whoever does that is going to be a very very rich person and light as well is a problem i think they're also yeah. very heavy at the moment yeah well they're liquid it's all liquid. yeah you're carrying a big tank of liquid around you know what i mean then again so is petrol mm-hmm. uh, well yeah that, yeah that is true that's very true <laughs> like yeah. who put a big Sh- kind we... of liquid in the car that's a terrible yeah. idea shall we uh, shall we shall we scrub that bit out of the air <laughs> just save our blushes <laughs> 
You know what? I, you know that whole thing as well. Like, I guess the fuel they put in the cars now is like super flammable as well. It's like, it is, yeah. I mean, it is, but, but that doesn't react. It doesn't set on fire just coming in contact with air. Exactly, it's not as volatile does. as what a hydrogen cell would be. Yeah, yeah. I, it amazes me that you don't see really you don't see any fires these days in Formula One cars, do you? Not proper fires. Not, not to the extent we used to get, no. Yeah. I think that's just to do with the way that the, the fuel's stored in the car now as well, I think, because it's in those... Um, it's in like those, a cardboard box thing. Yeah, it? and it's got like a bag inside it of some description yeah. that... Yeah, it's... I, I don't know the exact details and specs behind it, but I think it does help. Well, yeah, the, the way it works is they... It's kind of like... It's almost like an inflatable... Yeah. If you think of it that way, like it's because the carbon tub is is it's obviously the, the the fuel tank itself is shaped according to the carbon tub, but in order to get the tank in, the safety tank as they call it, it's like a big, it's almost like think of it as a potato bag, but super <laughs> super like unbreakable pretty yeah. much, yeah, um, and flexible, and its unbreakableness partly comes from the fact that it is that it is a flexible material. It's very difficult to pierce. Yeah. There's a great so, bit on um there's that McLaren documentary that's on uh, Amazon Prime, I think it is. Um yes. and there's yeah, a great bit is. in that where they're trying to fit the fuel tank into the uh chassis and they're just like a couple of blokes just trying to poke this bag through a hole yeah. to make it fit yeah. in the car. And it's a tiny hole yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> It's like the least technical thing you've ever seen going yeah, on yeah. to a Formula One car. And we, and we wonder why they don't Formula do very well at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what though? Like there's certain there's certain things in Formula One nah. that like it's such a technical technical sport, and so, sometimes the most ingenious solutions are the most basic. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. You know, just 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 push it through this hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the genius solution to a very technical. Sport, <laughs> um, yeah. So, in answer to Paul's question, do we think they'll go down the fuel cell route? Certainly not in twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, like, not that soon, but I think at some point in the future, it's it's likely, and it's probably going to depend on what those manufacturers are doing in terms of and what they want to do in terms of road cars, because ultimately these manufacturers getting into Formula E is because they want to sell their electric road cars. That's what they want. Um, And if that new technology that's the next step along comes along and Formula One's willing to embrace it and adopt it, then that's what will end up in the sport because that's what the manufacturers will want to sell. It's it's adapt or die in this day and age. And they'll have to adapt. They'll have, it'll, it, one day, wow, that was a big one as well. <laughs> one day, Formula One will be electric, but I, I couldn't give you a date. But it'll be electric no. at some point. It'll be in the next sort of, I'd say, if if we go another twenty years without it becoming electric, then it'll disappear. One thing in hydrogen's favour is that. Right now, with electric cars, like there are, I mean, especially in London, there's charging points around where you can plug in your electric car. But all of that is new infrastructure. Whereas you would think, at least, um, pumping liquid hydrogen into your car would be something you could adapt to existing petrol stations to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot less new infrastructure needed for it. So maybe that's one reason why. 
some people are wanting to lean more down towards that route. I imagine a lot of their oil companies are probably putting more research into that because it fits more with the kind of stuff they already do. Yeah. But yeah, put a liquid in a tank. Yeah, I think we're a good many years away from finding out still. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think. I don't think we're that far away. I mean, we're getting into sort of automotive territory here, but I. Hmm. I, I I don't feel like we're that far away with it because there's people that's no, been being searched for years and years and years. So, and these the speed the electric it's, cars. The are thing moved. is, it's it's batteries as well. Like they're getting batteries are getting so much better now that it's almost you know it's it's like the reason you don't the reason a lot of like space technologies get canned is because the technology is moving so fast that you'd launch the the object to get to the destination that you want it to get to and then while you while it's on that journey you'll develop a better technology that can beat it there if you launch it now do you know what mm. i mean yeah yeah totally so it's it's almost like the technology is developing so quickly that people are kind of a bit afraid to commit to one or the other so yeah, yeah. but i mean all petrol and diesel cars are going to be banned in the UK from 2040. Um, in fact, a lot of Europe from 2040, 2030 in Paris, Copenhagen are banning diesel cars from 2019. Um, there's already some roads in London that are any kind of internal combustion engine cars are banned from. So, like, really? Yeah, in um, parts of East London, I think it is, um, where <sighs> there's really, really bad pollution. Um, Those damn hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> it would be East London, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> So, you know, there there are deadlines where car manufacturers need yeah. to have a fleet of some kind of non-petrol and diesel cars ready for, so. Mm. I think what the sad thing is, it'll take, a, if the, the need to find a way of making them still, you know, keep the theatrics of the racket they make. One of the things about a Formula One really is like, the, even now, like they're not as loud as they used to be, but they're still blooming loud. So... and watching Formula E you do miss that but then at the same time one of the most fun things about being at a Formula E race with you Chris was that as the cars were going by we could go wow look at that and hear each other (laughs) we could hold the conversation have a conversation while all these cars are going around still and to be fair you know when you're there with the cars they make a loud enough you can hear the gearboxes wearing and stuff it's a different sound and it is less loud but and I've said this about the new Formula One engines. It's a more detailed sound, and you can hear yeah. it's a more nuanced, nuanced sound when you can hear yeah. lots more different things within it. So, and I quite like that. I like the nuance of it. Yeah, having but, having been to a couple of races in the V8 era, was it the V8 era? I think it was. Um, yeah. The novelty wears off quite quickly. Yeah, <laughs> like I you, going... you literally have to sit there with earplugs in, or like a radio in your ear, and you can't talk to the person next to you. And yes, they are phenomenal things, and it's a really visceral experience to have one of these cars go past you. Yeah, I mean but those then... cars like rattled your sternum as yeah. they went past you. Like the sound resonate through your body. You don't just you don't just hear it; you feel the sound of those cars. And I hmm. think that's what. That's, you you definitely don't quite get that with these cars, but they're still bloody loud. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember going to testing during the V8 era, and we spent a whole day. Can you remember we spent a whole day yeah. at, at testing? And goodness gracious, by the end of it, I was worn out just because of the sound. Mm, completely. 
it was a, a it's a long day <laughs> when they're going out all day and they're making that much racket. And I think it would have been a bit easier to handle if it'd been these cars. But yeah, that's just that's the way the news goes. <laughs> hmm. Um, have you got any emails, Tom? Yeah, we have a couple. Um, Tom Carter has said, if Red Bull became world championship contenders in 2021 and Pierre Gasly was demoted, <laughs> <laughs> do you think Daniel Ricciardo would move back to Red Bull? No. Mm. Depends how bad the no, Renault is at the time. <laughs> it does. Yeah. No, I don't think he'd... I think uh, once you're gone, you're a, gone. Would it be an option really? for him? No. Yeah, exactly. That's the question, isn't it? Like, if it was an option, are you asking if it was an option? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that's the, yeah. that's the question context as well. If it was up well. to him. If yeah. it was up to him, and maybe, I think maybe he would. Yeah, I would say maybe as well. But he's like terrible reliability. So it's not just about winning championships; it's about having that reliability, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. which is part I'm of not. I mean, as you, I think, we're alluding to, I'm not sure Red Bull would ever make that position available to him in the first place. Yeah, because they um, they they like to make their own decisions, don't they? Um, yeah. The only driver I can think of that's gone back to Red Bull is uh, Danny Kvyat, and that's because they Hartley <laughs> technically. And Hartley. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Technically. Even though he never got into F1, look, he was still on that trajectory <laughs> until he got kicked out yeah. of the program. Guys, if either of those two can get back into Red Bull, Ricardo won't have any problems. <laughs> As well, the official Bruno Senna brand ambassador says, yeah. um, Stu, I've heard your message loud and clear. Um, oh. And we here at the Bruno Senna brand ambassador want to uh, participate in the discussion. So we've created three questions. Would you rather be the worst driver in F1 in 2019 or Bruno Senna? <laughs> Are these all going to be would you rather's based on so. Bruno Senna? I, I think, think so. they might. <laughs> okay, so that's the first one. Should we do them one by one? Yeah, yeah we'll do them one by one because we won't be able to run, but would I rather be the worst F1 driver in... Well, if I'm Bruno Senna, I, wouldn't be... I definitely wouldn't be the worst, so I'd be Bruno Senna. Yeah, Bruno Senna every day. The there's worse drivers on that grid. There's worse yeah. drivers on that grid than Bruno Senna by a long way. <laughs> yeah, I'd also rather be Bruno Senna. Would you rather be Daniel Ricciardo's engineer or Bruno Senna? <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I'd, ra- I'd rather be Bruno Senna because then I get to drive the car. Yeah, that that, yeah. that is uh, another benefit, and also you don't get any evil from Daniel Ricciardo everywhere. <laughs> yep. Um, and then the last one, would you rather be Perry McCarthy in Andrea Moda or be Bruno Senna? I don't <laughs> even know who that is. Who's, <laughs> what, what's the name? Perry um, McCarthy. Andrea Moda was like probably the worst team that's ever been in F1, if not yeah. one of the worst. Perry McCarthy. It's Bruno Senna. It's, it's always Bruno it's Senna. It's always yeah, Bruno Senna. Again. I think that those... I mean, given that they're coming from the Bruno Senna brand ambassador, I feel like they are loaded questions. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't feel like they're fair. Would you rather? I think the, I mean, the, the answers to those were a bit too obvious for me. They got the answers they wanted, and I think that's all that yeah. really matters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. Perry McCarthy. So a bit about Perry McCarthy for the uh, casual Formula One fan. Is that what you're going to um, say? <laughs> yes, it was the original stick. Um, his first entry into Formula One was the 1992 Brazilian Grand Prix, and his last entry 
was the Brazilian Grand Prix. <laughs> no, it's Italian, Italian, Italian Grand Prix. Um, I know it wasn't very long. I can't remember how long it was. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't very long. So, yeah, it was, it's not even a full season. Um, he did about were, eight races or something, didn't he? Yeah, there were 16 races that season and he participated in it. Well, he didn't actually participate in any of them because he never qualified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the Andrea Moda. But... Um, yeah. He was at <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 out of 16. Oh, there you go, 11. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. So I'll tell you what, that's, 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 that's more Grand Prix than I've attended. So That's very true. We'll not try to qualify for as well. Yeah. And I'm sure he's a lot better in a cart than I am. So I, look, I'm not going to argue with the guy. Fair play to him for getting there in the first place. Well, yeah. Uh. Is that everything? Yeah, I'm going to do, um, in fairness, Orion Griffiths, he is the original um, Would You Rather man, as oh, yeah. I believe. Oh, yeah. and he sent us loads, so I'm going to go through one of his other ones. Um, so here you go. You're fighting for the driver's title and must win the race to clinch it. Would you rather put the car on pole and get ter- taken out in a turn one instant or have a 40-place grid penalty and fight your way through 40. the packs? To, to the lead only to blow the engine and retire on the final lap so I'm losing the championship either way Ooh. it sounds like that it's, yeah, it's, how would you rather lose it just go out in turn one from the pole or fight your way through the field after like some ridiculous penalties and retire on the last lap in I the lead fight my, way, fight my way through the field I think do you think? No, I that's, think that's actually I, a really good question. Underneath all that, once you get down into it, it's a good question. <laughs> that it's, I think it's turn one for me. Your turn one. The heartbreak would be so much worse if you'd done all the hard work Con- and then got nothing. Considering for it. the number of races online that I've done competitive, well, I say competitively, like in like leagues that we've run for sim racing. Yeah, yeah. I've been so much more annoyed when I've got to a certain point in the race, like really far on, and then something's gone wrong or I've been taken out or something. I'd much rather just be out of it on race one and say, all right, guys, I'll see you next week. (laughs) Well, on an emotional level, that's probably the easiest to take, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think the thrill of the drive and the, the exhilaration you'd get from that feeling of, I'm about to win the championship. I'm about to do this. I've done everything I needed to do. I've I've shown myself to be a real talent. Then I think that's for me. That'd be that's the Anthony Davidson answer, isn't it? I sound like Anthony Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> that's um. I'd rather the drive. I'd rather. I'd always rather be driving. I would always I guess- rather it be in my hands and me for as long as possible. I mean, I know it's not in your hands in the end because the because the random reliability failure gets you but still like you want to sh- be showing yourself to be the best you can be yeah. and you're not going to do that by going out in turn one so that's more that's people are probably going to feel sorry for you after that big drive as well so you get a yeah. lot of sympathy yeah. I'm, not doing it. I'm, not do- I'm not doing it for the pity <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, say, I'm just saying you'd get a lot more sympathy win. hey more importantly <laughs> you'd win driver of the day and isn't that the real that's price that's true that's true if I, if I can beat Max Verstappen to driver of the day <laughs> or Sebastian exactly Lester, sign me up uh, should we do some predictions? Let's do some predictions. Okay, so it is the Brazilian Grand Prix coming up. This is—I always think these are the Bra- this is the Brazilian Grand Prix preview, and this is actually the only bit of preview that we do <laughs> for for the Brazilian for any Grand Prix. But uh, it's it's insightful still, I think. Um, 
we only have one random driver left for this, and that's going to be for Fernando Alonso. Yes, so, so no randomness needed. I'm going to introduce my own bit of randomness to this, Uh-oh. and that is I'm going to ask you who, where you think Alonso will finish first. <laughs> oh, that that was Alonso's engine. <laughs> 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 I'm just going to pop. Um, he had a good race last year. That answers the question for you from my perspective anyway, Stu. Oh <laughs> right, so you're what you're just first DNF. Well, I, need, put him I, need, 20th. I, need, I need a number. Put him twentieth, <laughs> first DNF. Oh, he's going twentieth. I'm going clean 20th. sweep on this one. Twentieth, <laughs> twentieth for Tom. He had a really good race last year. He finished seventh. Um, seventh. Hang on, so that's that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at qualifying. Yeah, he finished eighth actually. He only lost a place. Um, oh, I feel like I've got less confidence this year though. Let's go for a 10th. Let's go for nicking a point in 10th. Let's go nick a point in 10th. Yes. Um, oh, this is difficult for me because I don't have anything in front. I stupidly didn't load up all the results from... Um, <laughs> With Alonso, it doesn't matter, Stu. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, it matters. It matters. It you, you don't get to where I am in this championship with that <laughs> attitude, Tom. <laughs> um, uh, I will say, this might change people's answers. I probably should have mentioned this before. Um, that currently, I mean, admittedly, we're several days before, but there are currently thunderstorms forecast for Saturday. Um, what about Sunday? Sunday, there is a much smaller chance of rain. Looking at around the time of qualifying, we're looking at about a twenty-five to thirty-five percent chance of rain. Um, right. Whereas the Sunday is sub twenty percent. So there's a, a fairly good chance of wet qualifying if that okay. changes anything. Uh, in the 2018 Mexican Grand Prix, Fernando Alonso was the first DNF, wasn't he? It was a water pressure. He was, yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> a water pressure failure is a nice way of saying a bit of force India went underneath and broke his car. But Yeah, oh yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So basically overheated. Yes. Um, Stoffel finished eighth, though. On an alternate strategy, didn't he? He in certainly the, did in the McLaren. So, it's this is also high altitude. This race, so the Renault should do well there. Um, here's your insight. <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's, here's here's your preview. You better be um, right after all this. Quit your Stalin. Say, <laughs> I know. Sorry, sorry. I'm dragging this out. Aren't I? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go ninth. Alonso. Even more okay. points. Um, random category. <laughs> First DNF. Tom went first last time. Chris. First DNF. Mm, it's a it's a nice corner for a turn one collision, isn't it? Or more a turn a, two collision. Yeah, but there's loads of runoff, though. You can escape quite easily. Oh, we've had a lot of retirements. Um, in fact, last year we had three retirements in, on oh, the first lap. Pin- yeah, it's a real pinch turn. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, let's see. Who are we going to lose? Let's go for a... I'm going to go for a Gasly, I think. Gasly. Okay. Um, I am going to say Leclerc. I think Leclerc's been... He's had a bit of a sort of crashy run. And he I has, actually, feeling yeah. the pressure, and he's got very little to lose at this point. because In he's, that turn um, one pinch. Yeah. He's going to be right in the mix there as well, so that's my prediction. Uh, Tom? You already have my answer. Oh, yeah. Leclerc. No, Alonso. 
Alonso. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> You're so cryptic sometimes, Tom. It really <laughs> makes it difficult for me. Um, right, the next one, I'm gonna say who number of finishers. How many we're we gonna have finish? It's my turn to go first. I'm gonna go the classic option: sixteen finishers. Uh, Tom, you can go next. Um, did you say that rain was potentially going to carry on into Sunday, or we didn't know yet? Uh, it's a much much smaller chance of rain for Sunday currently. Mm. Could mean a bit of a mixed up grid though. I'm going to say 15. 15. Wow, that's quite a lot of retirements for this season. 15. That's actually exactly what I was going to say as well. I'm saying 15. 15. So you're going 15 as well? 10. Okay. We tend to have quite a lot of retirements in Brazil. I'm and getting 16 quite. Chris, I, are you sure you want to go with that? Because we're getting quite late in the season. Sticking with you've it. Got, you've got points to catch up on, mate. Sticking with it. You sure? Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go fastest in Q3 before penalties. Ooh. So now we're getting to the tricky stuff. I'm going to say Vettel for fastest in Q3. Uh, let's have Tom you this time. Um, Q3, I'm going to go with Lewis. Mr. Hamilton. And Chris? trying to work out if the Red Bulls are going to be in the mix or not is the trouble isn't that's it? what I was trying to think about but mm. yeah. I think even if they are I think the Ferrari is going to have the legs on them at this try I think I agree so I'm going to go Vettel and then who is going to get the win Chris you can go first it's a little bit unfair isn't it because I'm not giving you much time to think about that mm, I'm giving that, myself that time the, to think it's <laughs> the result of the random nature of, uh, of what we're doing here I think it's Vettel you know, I think it's Vettel. Vettel. I mean, I, I, I've said that I think Ferrari are going to nick this um, constructor, so I have to say a Ferrari win, don't I, really? Mm. I think Vettel's going to go off the boil a little bit for the race. I'm going to say Raikkonen. I think Raikkonen's got another win in him. Ooh, I like it. Tom? I'm I'm with Chris on this. I think I can say Vettel just because... Yeah, It'll be one of those things where, like, now it's all said and done. He's going to end up winning two races, probably. <laughs> like, too little, too late kind of thing. Yeah. I guess the, I feel- fa- the fact we haven't considered is, if Mercedes are good, is Hamilton going to let Bottas win? <laughs> that, that's, yeah, a, well, that's Abu Dhabi, that. Yeah. Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to happen anyway. It'll be there. And therein lies the problem with betting on this sport. You just don't know what <laughs> yes. the teams are going to do. Um, but there we go that's all the predictions in Um, we'll get those locked in and you'll be able to make your predictions at backofthegrid.com there's a prize every week for anyone who gets a clean sweep as well as a prize for the season champion and it is it's still mathematically possible for the top dog to be knocked off the top spot yeah still a few in it yeah it was a few people in it so definitely keep at it get your predictions in and let me just reiterate that the clean sweep will get a great prize um, you can also join our fantasy league on f1.com by searching for back of the grid f1 podcast in their little searchy boxy thingy um, and yeah that's predictions so you can also like share and subscribe to the podcast on our various channels so please do because it really really helps us um, you can find us on twitter at back of the grid f1 on facebook by searching for back of the grid and on instagram at back of the grid and of course there's a the website back of the grid.com um, and that's everything. So if you guys have nothing more to add to that, do you? 
apparently I've just got more fireworks to add. Yeah, ditto. Just more fireworks. Okay, so we'll say goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye. Goodbye. Banging. See what I did there. Har har. (laughs) This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more.